Welcome to the Wilding the Lamb podcast, episode two. Uh, we're talking about the Book of Mormon, First Nephi chapters one through five. Uh, my name is Jeff Holderness, and this is Christian McMullen. We'll be discussing anything and everything that we can in this podcast. Uh, we go into a lot of tangents this time, um, but I think you guys are really going to like what we're going to say. I'm really good at that, at going into tangents. <laughs> we both are. It's yeah. very difficult to not go into tangents. <laughs> but it's fun, and it's good insight. <laughs> Definitely good insight. So hope you guys enjoy, and we'll uh, see you afterwards. So yeah, just some thoughts and stuff that I had as I was reading these. Um, in regards to kind of the chapters and stuff, dude, what a faithful person I was to just like have an experience like he did at the beginning in chapter one. Um, he prays, receives a vision, and like immediately starts preaching the gospel to the people of Jerusalem, who he know had like tried to cast out and kill other prophets that have been speaking this way. And um, it was just interesting to me to see kind of his his perspective again and just the faith that he had in order to, to go and do that. I think that'd be hard. We served missions um, and like persecution. I don't know. A couple of people probably like yelled at me. Dude, I was in the South. I was persecuted all the time. <laughs> You're burning burn in hell. All right. Yeah, tell me about that. I literally. No, it actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> It wasn't. There's so many people there. You know, you hear a lot of horror stories. Yeah. Horror stories. That are like quote unquote. But no, it was it wasn't that bad. I only had a couple times where people were like, "You're gonna burn in hell" and yeah. and stuff like that. But no, most people down there, even like the ones that you know, Southern Baptists are the ones that they're like, they're the meanest ones towards the the Mormons or whatever. Yeah. But I had such awesome discussions even with. Southern Baptists, and they were they were very like hesitant on like us talking to them about like what's in the scriptures. Yeah, they just want to talk about Jesus. Yeah, and so that if we kept the conversation about Jesus, and anytime we were tried to like bring anything book more, like no, 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 no. <laughs> but they like yeah, this one family in particular. I remember we were we were tracting. It was a Sunday, and. Uh, they were Southern Baptists, and they were like, hey, you guys want to come have some hot dogs and hamburgers and watch some NASCAR? We're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Dude, those were the best when you could just, like, hang out with people and, like, just talk to them, get to know them, figure out, you know, who they are, what they believe. Yeah, yeah really, really, the, a lot of the fun parts that kind of come with it. Yeah, that was super fun. No, that's cool. My mission was, like, like, because it was Mandarin speaking, Chinese people like don't understand Christianity. Mm -hmm. Like even even when you describe it to them, like they don't really get it. And so 
like they just thought we were really weird. <laughs> like it's like a bunch of white guys that can speak Mandarin. It would be um, an interesting, yeah, because I don't I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody who didn't know who Christ was. Yeah, or like like they they know of him, uh-huh. like they've heard about him obviously and stuff, but they don't <laughs> like they don't even have their religion is mostly it's like Confucianism and Taoism, and like neither one of those have like deity it's more like worship of ancestors like the people who came before you and stuff and so yeah it was just really interesting for them to like try to figure out really what what why they needed a christ like needed a savior and stuff like that it was just interesting but we were never ever like persecuted i might have had like some crazy people talk to me on the street and like but never like most of the Chinese people just thought we were really cool because we could speak or really weird. Um, yeah, dude, like I expected when I went on my mission because you hear all these stories from other missionaries yeah. about all this crazy happening to them. Yeah. And like I get down there, like being in the ghetto and all this stuff. And I was in some super ghetto areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had a pimp one time come and try to solicit to me. That was yeah, That was probably one of the craziest things uh, in that area um but uh yeah that was so weird drive right like down the road with my companion we we're in a pretty ghetto area and he's like hey you want to come check out my team like no <laughs> no i don't <laughs> no, thank you. You hear my team? jesus saves man that's awesome no but like after after witnessing these prophets and stuff get ran out of Jerusalem, dude, it would have been pretty tough to like, all right, let's let's try this out, let's go for it. Um and I don't really know how long he preached, but I, I just thought that, that was interesting. He he really, really went for it and then once they decided that they wanted to kill him and stuff at that point, God was like, All right, man, you and your family got to get out. So it's it's interesting. And I wonder like what I would be like in that <laughs> in that type of situation, I think it'd be pretty hard. I mean, obviously, if you like have a vision, it would be it would be pretty cool. But um, and it might be like slightly a little bit easier to go along with it. But overall, I think it'd still be really difficult to like pack up, move your family. Um, and yeah, he was he was obviously a, a wealthy person and um, kind of gave it all up. It's kind of story. Yeah, while going through chapters one through five, I was thinking about, I was actually thinking a lot about um, Laman and Lemuel. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they got pissed off all the time, beating Nephi up, beating Sam up, wanting to kill him, tying him up and stuff. Um, which they did during these chapters. They tied, you know, they tied up Nephi and then. Yeah. Nephi prays and gets loose of his bands, but I was thinking about Laman and Lemuel, and I was like, I bet you, like, ninety-five percent, <laughs> you'd be Laman or Lemuel. <laughs> Most people, oh, yeah. nowadays, like, I think seriously, like, in the church, there'd be a super, super high number that you'd be like, not, not necessarily like murderous, like wanting to kill whoever, but yeah. you'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But, you know, we had, I mean, I guess you could look at the pioneers. There were probably a lot of people who were 
maybe thinking the same way, but they, I mean, they trucked across the United States and, yeah. and stuff. So I don't know. So maybe I'm totally wrong on that one. Right. Well, but like there was probably a lot of people that didn't come. Like there were a lot that came from England and stuff, believed, hey, let's go do this. But I wonder like how many, how many believed and were like, yeah, we're just going to hang out here. <laughs> like you guys, you guys go take care of that. Yeah. Once, once it's settled and the Indians are gone, we'll come after. Um, well, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily bad either, though. Um, it's just cool how, how God, like, different things for different people works. And he kind of lets it happen. Um, like, as people, um, you know, some people choose to go. They're blessed for it. They, you know, grow. Their testimony and stuff grows in Christ and the struggles and stuff of going across the plains that um strengthen them but then yeah i'm sure i mean even like emma smith and stuff she stayed back and like that was okay for her like and i don't i don't think she's going to be judged for that decision by not going which i I actually really really like that point of a conversation when it comes to to like commandments and stuff in the church Mm. because you know we all have our own path back to to the celestial kingdom yeah but you know some of that path is the same for everybody you know making certain covenants or whatever with like baptism receiving the gift of the holy ghost endowments all that kind of stuff yeah like that all of that aspect is the same but we're all individual people and we all need and will require to go through different trials and different different things like that yeah and so a commandment that you may get from god may not be one that I have to, that I need. Yeah. And so I'm not going to get it from him. Like God may tell me to, to stop playing video games, yeah. you know, but that's, that'd be for me, not for, for you. That doesn't mean you need to go stop playing video games because God told me to go stop playing video games. Yeah. You know, so it might be something that I need, not that you need. Yeah. And, you know, to, to go a little, I guess it can be considered controversial. It's a little, it's a lot less controversial now than it was in the past. But caffeine, I think, is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I have not ever seen anything that has strictly said don't drink caffeine. And so I've been like talking to my wife. I was like, I bet you there was somebody who was like made some connection between tea, coffee, and caffeine. Like, oh, they both have caffeine in it. I was like, I'm going to pray to, and see if, if, you know, if it's the caffeine and then they did. And then, and then they received their own personal revelation that they shouldn't drink caffeine Mm -hmm. for them. And then somehow that just blew up. (laughs) The entire church follows them. And now the whole church follows no caffeine. But, but like, I I think that's, you know, that's something important. It's like personal revelation is just that personal. And if you receive something that you shouldn't be doing, that does not mean that your neighbor shouldn't be doing it too. They could be doing it and it doesn't matter. No, I I like that a lot. And I think it's, it's definitely true. And it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Um, We tend to focus on like, Hey, this is what the prophet says. This is a commandment for the church or whatever. It's, it's for everyone. Follow the prophet type thing. But, um, sometimes you have to like stop and take a stand on some things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
<laughs> recently one thing that was it was kind of a tough thing for my wife and I we um we were like when when the covid um stuff hit <laughs> a couple of years ago we totally like prayed about the vaccines and we both felt like super strong from the lord not to take them and like not to give them to our kids and stuff and so we were like all right this is what we're doing we're not not gonna do that and um we kind of made that conscious decision and stuff and then i think it was like two or three weeks later when like the church came out and was like hey we encourage everyone to go do these and like did videos with the prophet and stuff getting these and we were kind of like wait what <laughs> and it yeah. kind of was like a little ding to our armor because we were like oh like what <laughs> like what are, what are we supposed to do with this we didn't uh end up taking them um Same. so i mean there's that but i i honestly think that like personal revelation and stuff is is key and yeah lehi there were prophets before that said that jerusalem was going to get destroyed and stuff um they could have prophesied to leave or that people need to leave or, or do different things. But Lehi went out, received his own revelation, and figured out what he needed to do for his family. And like, it, it wasn't hang out with the prophet and get martyred with them. It was, hey, take your family and get out. So I, I definitely think that sometimes what's right for you could be contrary to what the church is doing or what, what's happening on, on, those items on what's the norm yeah you kind of have to take it um you know pray that you're in god and in his son jesus christ and your relationship with them and the spirit that you're feeling and stuff is is what you're supposed to do yeah and i think about like just trying to imagine lehi after he receives the revelation that he needs to take his family and leave jerusalem yeah and then going back to his wife and be like um <laughs> so got some good and bad news <laughs> uh good news um i received some personal revelation for our family mm -hmm. bad news is i know you're really comfortable you have all the money you need comfortable life we're gonna leave it all here and go hike across the continent yeah. <laughs> and leave no and, and it's gonna suck and it's gonna be hard and like we don't know how long we're gonna go we don't know where, we going? where we're going i don't know he just told us to leave oh Wait, man. you don't know where we're going no oh i can't imagine uh, how are we getting there walking in camels <laughs> what <laughs> And we're not not taking all we're taking is you know provisions and what we've got um yeah holy cow um the faith of his entire family like even layman and lemuel sometimes i'm like dude why didn't they just stay like if they like hated it so much why didn't they just stay in jerusalem from the beginning they're kind of like mad and upset about it and it's just interesting to me and it's probably like the family dynamics back then i'm sure you stayed together as a family a yeah or like you know we're kind of hey you're 18 get out or like hey you're in your mid-20s get out but they probably like stayed in family units a lot longer but i've always kind of thought about that too like yeah it just peace out like yeah i wonder if there was something with that like 
very like cultural wise yeah. if there was something there cultural wise where it's like they almost didn't really have an option because their dad and mom were leaving they had to go yeah. with them basically yeah and so um yeah i wonder what that was like i do like to um i think in chapter two i like that nephi like decides to find out for himself whether the revelation received from his dad was true um which i think is cool too like we can we can bounce ideas off of each other i can receive revelation and talk about it with you and it may or may not be right for you but you can go to god and find out for yourself if that's something that you need to do or not um and i think that aspect of it and of the church is is really cool that they they do tend to allow like a pretty big leeway on like that kind of personal revelation what's right for you what's right for your family what's right for you know each other um and i think just like nephi sometimes we can do that too where hey dude if you want to find something out like get on your knees pray study it and figure out what it means to you um and figure out how it kind of ties in with your relationship with god your relationship with your family that kind of thing um well nephi knew where his his trust lied Right. So he's like, I understand, like, I respect my father. I will listen to my father, listen to his teachings, but also know, like, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if this is the way he's thinking, but it's just like the way that I imagine the way I would be if, yeah. if, but I, he was like, I, I'm going to listen to my dad, but I want to, like, I, want, I just want to make sure because because if you have that personal revelation and testimony of whatever it is, yeah. the trust, trusting in the well, if you're trusting in the source, which is God, learning. I'm not I'm not saying this very very gracefully, but um, like learning for yourself if something is true or not, mm-hmm. regardless of who it came from makes it so it's that much easier to follow because we are man we do make mistakes and his dad could have made a mistake yeah somehow some way and but nephi is like i i trust my dad i just i want to go take it to the the source of truth and go confirm it yeah because he has that trust already built with god which if there's anything that I take away from Nephi, it's probably that yeah. is the trust that he has in his relationship with Heavenly Father. No, yeah, and it's so adamant throughout the entire of you know both of his books. He he definitely has a great relationship with his Father in Heaven, and that that really protects him and uh, you know turns him into who he is. And I think that's something that we can definitely take and learn from it. When, um, when did you like, do you remember the first time that like you received your own personal life testimony that wasn't like based on your parents or based on? It's kind of a hard one. Like, um, yeah, it's kind of a hard one because I think mine was more 
like the 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 phrase that the church uses sometimes line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little yeah um it's i think it was more more along that line and then there were just you know different experiences about with with the the book of mormon and teaching like really teaching on my mission and different things like that yeah that really solidified that you know my I went to school at ISU, Idaho State, when I was 18. Yeah. And I, when I left, I didn't have any intentions on really going on a mission or anything. I didn't, I didn't freaking care. Yeah. But, but I, I eventually started hanging out with the missionaries because I needed rides all the time. Yeah. And I like fell in love with missionary work, hanging out with them. And then I was like, I'm going to go on a freaking mission. This is cool. And so then, uh, went and worked on getting ready to go on a mission. I didn't go till I was almost 21. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so there was, you know, there was some just learning through that time with the missionaries. And then, uh, you know, there, there were a couple of occasions reading stuff in the book of Mormon where it just like hits you. Yeah. Um, one of those is when, in 35 when Christ visits the Americas yeah. and he was, you know, he blesses the children that when I was reading through the book more one time and that, that hit, I became just like a sob, sobbing mess. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. But, so that was, but I, I wouldn't say that that's like my, the time I was like, I know that this is true. I think yeah. that was, that just was, like I said, just here, there, it's just time, it's just, just kept building over time for you. That's cool. No, I think that's super admirable. I think that's awesome that you, like, decided to go on a mission, even at, like, being 21. Um, I think that takes a lot of bravery, dude, because a lot of people, like, they're just, it's just different. A lot of people go when they're, I guess back then I think it was 19. 19. I'm trying to remember when, yeah, it was 19. 19 when you did it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people just like, oh, I'm 19, I'm going to go or whatever. I never would have lasted, to be honest. If I would have gone when I was 19, I never would have made it through my mission. Mm -mm. I would have gone out. I probably would have made it through the MTC and I would have gone out there and then like I would have eventually just been like, this is freaking stupid because missions are – Dude, they're not they're not easy. They're not easy. It's like you get set up with an arranged marriage, but it's with another dude. Yep. And so there's no there's no there's no perks of there's no perks of marriage. <laughs> so well it is, man. And it's like our mission president Yeah. Our mission president was like if you tried to be like, I want a new companion he'd be like well i don't believe in divorce elder and it's like well i don't freaking believe in arranged marriage like so that's kind of how i pictured you know my companions some of them were freaking awesome and then others i like could not wait for the day that we were finally not together sorry elders if you ever watch this <laughs> You know who you are. <laughs> no, missions are like totally uh, 
unique experience for sure. But it did. It does really help you. You know, it's tangent, whatever. But it does really help you to prepare for marriage. Yeah. Because as soon as you get married, it's like you never lived with that person before, and then all of a sudden they're squeezing the toothpaste from the wrong side (laughs) of the. You know, it's like wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. But you just have to live with it. No, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, my mission, I guess for me, it was like, so I like got to, I, I went on a mission because it was what holdernesses do. You just mm-hmm. you turn 19 and you go. And like I had, I had a testimony. I'd like read the Book of Mormon stuff before. So it was like minuscule. It wasn't super, um, you know, like strong. Um, but I was like, yeah, it'll, it'll be a cool opportunity to like go and serve and um, possibly learn a new language, that kind of thing. But I remember in the MTC, like I was in the MTC, I think it was like 12 weeks. Jeez, yeah. that is a long, I would have gotten so fat, dude. <laughs> I entered the MTC at 165 and I, I was only there for three weeks and I left at 180. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. I ate so much food when I was in the MTC. <laughs> anyway, so I was there forever, and I just remember, like, probably, like, nine weeks in, I was like, dude, like, I can't do this unless I know. And, like, I need to know that this is what I need to do. And I just remember um, one night, like, super late, everyone else had, like, gone to bed. They all said their prayers and stuff and got in the bunk beds and things like that. And I just, like, got out and got on my knees and prayed for a while. And like I can't remember exactly what I felt or like why or what I was thinking about or anything like that. But I totally remember just being like, dude, like you're in the right place. Just go do it. And to me that was enough. I, you know, went served my mission and stuff like that. But it was it was just like this is what you need to do. Um, so for me, since then, it was a pretty big deal. And like, you kind of like, your testimony kind of goes up and down mm-hmm. and like, it'll plateau sometimes. And then like, sometimes you get like, I, I call them downloads where like, sometimes dude, you just get like this rush of like information or like you're reading something and like this huge thing, aha moment pops out at you. Um, and so like, there's kind of that, that ebb and flow of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely had had ebbs and flows and things like that that come in but i that's kind of what i pinpoint like dude that was my really like hey, dude, this is it. um and so looking back it, it's kind of cool that it's, it's similar to nephi um and and so it works like there's there's something to it at least for me and nephi and some other people so um try it out see what you think um but yeah, I, I I think those are some good good insights. Well, let's <laughs> let's uh, I definitely want to get to that because it's an awesome part of the of First Nephi. But you know, again, thinking about just all of them, not just Lemuel, Laman and Lemuel, but Nephi and Sam and Sariah, Sariah. Yeah. Um. And you know, they packed up their stuff. They left. I don't know how long they were gone for before Lehi was like, hey, 
Uh, <laughs> we <laughs> sorry guys. Um, we forgot a couple things. <laughs> yeah. I, I need you to. I need you to go get it. Um, you know, and it was the it was the brass plates, mm -hmm. which is which is the genealogy of of Lehigh, mm -hmm. and uh, was the first thing. And so they go out there, they go get the brass plates, and they're he's like, hey, I need you guys to go back and get this. They're like, what? I just can't imagine the way that they're thinking. They're like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why didn't we grab that before we left? Like. Like we're already gone. Like it's too late. Like I'm like, oh, I'm already going. Like I'm not going. I'm not going back. It's like I, I when I leave the house and I like leave my wallet and I'm like right around the corner, like 30 seconds from home. Like I, that's staying at home. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah, getting pulled over as well. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna do that. That's awesome. No, that's true. Uh, I was I was listening to. They were talking about that trip. And I guess it's like 200 miles from Jerusalem to the Red Sea, which is where they were supposedly camping. At that time? They, they say at that time. So it's like walking from Boise to Twin Falls. Uh, <laughs> and then turning around and walking back. Twin Falls, like that far? Hey, guys, I need you guys to walk back because I'm old. Your mom's old. We ain't going We're going to camp here in this nice valley. <laughs> you, guys this are, river. you guys are young. You're strong. Yeah, no wonder Lehman and Lindell were like. I think they got some admonishing. I think he had to yell at him a little bit, but probably pull out the way. <laughs> I know, um, and I'm sure Nephi helped too. But no, in that, um, like, they were still good men. I mean, they they struggled with some stuff, but but they were still pretty good. They still had respect and honor for their parents and went and did what they were asked to do, which was interesting. I love that in, in those scriptures, um, I think Lehi is like, <laughs> Lehi is like, hey, the Lord's commanded you guys to go back and get these plates from Laban. And I think Laban and Lemuel are like, like this is a hard thing you're asking of us, Dad. Like, do you not know who Laban is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just interesting to me that like, they didn't didn't have full confidence like Nephi did that a lot of what was coming out of their dad's mouth was coming from God rather than just their crazy senile little dad. Yeah. Um, and sometimes sometimes I feel like we we probably think that way about our parents too as they start to get older and start to um, have ideas and, and ask us to do things. Um, but yeah because nephi you know nephi he like we were just talking about a little bit ago he has that trust in god he's like and just like the primary song i will go i will do yeah. and uh you know they were commanded to go get the plates and he's like all right he's like i have no freaking idea how this is gonna work yeah we'll go we'll go get them <laughs> one way or another and just kept being persistent and yeah yeah, and I like, you know, after they get to Jerusalem, they go and try to get the plates originally, Laban throws them out, and then it's Nephi's idea to go get their, like, gold and stuff, and sometimes I think, like, dude, he probably thought that that was, like, gonna, gonna be it. Like, yeah. Hey, it's I, like, oh, I have all this money. This, yeah, I've seen this inspiration. Fine. 
dude, let's let's go get all this stuff. We'll we'll totally trade for them. Like this is totally gonna work. This is exactly what the Lord wanted us to do, um, in order to get the plates and stuff. This is this is how we left our stuff in Jerusalem so that we could get the plates afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it falls apart. <laughs> He's like, oh, maybe my great idea wasn't that great. Um, but maybe you know you know they they take all those riches. And they go take him to Laban yeah. to to give it to to give them, and they do, gave him like from my understanding, they give him literally like everything, everything. that they had. Yeah, like yeah. here, take this and give us the brass plates. And he's like, "Holy crap, you guys got a lot of money." Yeah, it's like no. Yeah. It's like I'm now gonna kill you. I'm just gonna keep this and my brass plates. Yep. And so now they bail, but but like if you think about that. What what did that just eliminate for that entire family? You think that just eliminated any temptation to go back for the riches because now they're gone. They don't have them anymore. So that is literally no. There's no reason for them to now go back because they have literally nothing. Dude, that's interesting. (laughs) So it's like maybe maybe that was still part of God's plan was to, you know, this is all like theory yeah, just but opinion. yeah but it's like but maybe it was it's i mean god has us do things that we don't understand why and it really is not explained like that in there but they did have all those riches there that you know layman and lemuel probably would have eventually bailed on their family and gone back if all those riches were still we're there still because there. they could have gone back after a while and not have all those riches and be super rich and just yeah. live an awesome life but they gave all the riches to Laban, and now they don't have it. And so now there's literally nothing for them to go back to. No, dude, that's actually like a pretty cool insight. I've, I'd never thought of that before. And while you were talking about that, I thought of another thing. I wonder if that's why Laban was celebrating like uh, that yeah. night, dude. You celebrated that night with all the riches he just got. Heck yeah, yeah, dude. Hey, He's like, party. let's go party. Yeah, man. Anyway, just just kind of interesting, like how that all, all ends up. Which is another way that the you know it was all part of the Lord's plan. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, go take those riches and give them to Laban. Yeah. And he gave them to him, and no, they didn't. They all ran away and went and hid in the cavity of a rock, you know. Dude. But but the Lord planned it in a way that Laban knew what he was going to do mm-hmm. because he just received all those riches, got all those riches, then he went and partied got drunk and then we go to chapter four well probably in four now but chapter four with nephi he he uh goes back to to get him and he's like it's like no we have to go get the plates i don't know how we're gonna do it. what the lord commanded us to do it he's gonna provide a way for us to do it yeah it's like i have no idea how but i'm just gonna trust him we're gonna do it yeah. and so he goes back in laban comes stumbling out of wherever some alleyway that Nephi was like hunkering down in because he has to sneak around the guards and then Laban just comes wandering on by drunk off his mind and passes out right in front of him what <laughs> I know he, like he's just got to be thinking man like what are the odds do you know what I mean how how on earth um I love that I think like as he's as he's leaving the safety of the cavity of the rock and stuff, I think Nephi's talking about how 
like he's gonna go and do it, but he doesn't know. I think it's like I can't remember how he words it, but it's he didn't know what where he was gonna go or like what he was gonna do exactly. He was just going mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm gonna just follow the spirit and go. Um, and I think that a lot of times in our lives, sometimes God will like tell us exactly what we need to do or like we have an idea of what we need to do and he kind of says, yeah, that's an all right idea. But then there are other times when like he kind of makes you just like blindly like, hey, you need to have faith in yourself and in me and just kind of go and do what what we need you to. Um, but dude, this is like one of my favorite chapters <laughs> because it totally reminds me of like of war and warriors and I mean people like like Navy SEALs, like Army Rangers, that kind of thing. Like he goes under the cover of darkness, totally sneaks into the city of Jerusalem. Um like no one can know they're there. No one can know that they, his family have left. And you know, he goes to to try to I'm I'm imagining like he's thinking he's gotta steal the plates or he's gotta like figure out how to get them somehow. Probably what he thought, so he's gonna have to steal them. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. And how do how do I do this or whatnot? Um, and then yeah, he finds finds Laban um, and is, is prompted to kill him, which I which I find cool and and interesting. It kind of goes against what we think are the commandments of God, mm-hmm. um, and and yet he, you know, and even even Nephi kind of questions it, um, and and then eventually he you know does what he needs to do, but. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking if I, uh, you know, stumbled upon a dead guy or a, a, a drunk, passed out guy that I was supposed to kill, I don't think I would cut off his head. And it might be like I, I guess to me, it'd be like the fastest, you think so? Least painful way to kill him. But do you, like to me, it's like I'd probably like stab him in the heart. Or like, I guess maybe you can scream that way, but like cutting off someone's head, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's like the first thing I would have thought about. But maybe we lived a lot of houses and stuff, so maybe they people got their heads cut off all the time, and it was like a normal thing. But like, you know what I mean? And like to wear his clothes, <laughs> there had to be so much like blood, blood and everything. I know. And like, I just can't can't imagine that I'd be like maybe like. Drag him and like prop him over a barrel or something. his barrel. Um, no, but but yeah. Or maybe he took off his apparel before. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he had the idea of wearing his stuff before. He's like, I'm gonna wear all this. Better, better take some of it off. Yeah. No. Yeah, I I want to be a fly on the wall. Like if we get to go back and like check out these <laughs> these awesome things that happen, this is gonna be like one of one of my big ones. I think this whole experience is just super cool. Dude, this one and freaking Tiankum sneaking into the, <laughs> the camp to kill Malachi. Yeah, whoever it was. Yeah. Was. Not Malachi. I don't remember the dude's name. Yeah. I always forget. No, but I think it gives me like some hope. Um, there's there's a part of me I always wanted to join the army, uh-huh. and 
not that like I have like a thirst to kill people, but like the ability to know how to do that mm-hmm. and like to know that I could if I needed to, I feel like it's something that like I've always kind of like wanted just to like for like self-defense or like family protection, that kind of thing. Like I've always, always just kind of wanted to feel some of that. Um, and like there might be some day in the future when like we're called upon to do things like this and a part of it gives me hope that like if if that does happen i have the strength to do it Mm -hmm. like if if we're prompted to do this and to make these type of decisions um that i can kind of turn to nephi and be like i'm not the only one (laughs) like someone else has been prompted to do this before um and it's interesting to me, you know, Nephi wrote this after he had gotten to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he could have, he could have just, like, brazed over this and just said, like, hey, we, you know, we went to Jerusalem, it was hard, but three tries, but we got the plates and, like, got out. But he doesn't. He goes into pretty good detail, like exactly what he had to do to get the plates. And I think there's something in that, um, because it, well, I mean, it, it's a cool war story. I'm sure he <laughs> was sharing it a little bit. But um, anyway, just some interesting thoughts about it that I have. Yeah, and uh, did you ever watch the the Living Scriptures? Yeah. Where <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, where they showed Nephi going and, and doing this and then putting on the clothes. I was always, it, it was always confused mm-hmm. because uh, Laban in that cartoon yeah. is like super fat, <laughs> yeah. and Nephi is not. It's like this like ripped dude who's large in stature, like the scriptures say. And so then he puts on his clothes. And the part that confused me is like he put on his clothes and then goes to the the treasurer keeper. Well I don't know what he was, like his role, but goes to to uh um what is his name? Zoram. And cool Zoram. I was like wait there's no way I'd be fool. Like you they don't even look the same. It's like he's not fat. The other dude's fat. It's like they, they do, you wouldn't trick him. Like and like being a little kid, you like don't understand. Yeah. Like they're not trying to be accurate on the sizes of them. But it was yeah. just just thinking about that. I always think about that whenever I listen to the story. It's like they must have been the same, like pretty close to the same size. Same size and like voice. I think he, he in the scriptures it's like i called out in the voice of laban so like they they had to have had like in their communications he had to know like who, who laban was and um he's he's able to fool zoram which is kind of interesting and uh you know at that point he gets the plates and zoram follows him out of the city and they go find his brothers and stuff and they must have and zoram must have had like a good relationship with with uh, laban because if zoram didn't have a good relationship with laban he was either, well, he either had a good relationship with him or he was really dumb. <laughs> or that. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. He could have just been like, well, I, I have to. I don't have much of a choice. And just, yeah, give me these plates. Now follow me. Yeah. Hey, where are we going? 
No, I love. Are you gonna take me to your party? <laughs> I um, I'm I'm super impressed with Zorum. The end of chapter four, um, something happens that I always, whenever I read it, I'm I'm like blown away by it. It's crazy to me that they talk to Zorum and they're like, "All right, dude." Like after after they come out, after Nephi reveals that he's not Laban and stuff, Zorum tries to leave. Nephi grabs him. They're holding him, and um, they they tell Zorum about. They ask him if he wants to come with them, and he kind of like mulls it over. But then they make him swear an oath that he'll come with them. And then, like, everything's cool. Because yeah, wasn't it about, like, his safety, though? It's like, because it was a, an oath about, I'm trying to remember, because it was something, because it, it, the oath is what made him feel comfortable in going with them. And I think, like, vice versa, it made him feel comfortable that he Bringing wasn't going to kill him. Yeah. He wasn't going to run away. But, like, every time I'm always like, there's no way if I was in that situation that I would have trust nowadays mm-hmm. in anyone, like in anyone's word. Yeah. And Which is a big problem, right? I mean, think about that these these days. It's like, your word is your bond. It's like, that doesn't mean freaking crap now. Yeah. Like, no, but it should. It should. And, yeah. and you know, this, this, you know, goes perfectly in line with, with, like the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, 100%. Like if you say you're going to do something as a man, you freaking do it. Yeah. And you you figure out how to do it or you, you know, come up with means to make it happen. No, and that's, you know, something that's definitely missing, something that and and even, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, I don't think I can do that with strangers, but there's like a lot of people that I know that and even then, I'm like, uh, yeah, swearing an oath back. Like, that was, again, that's a cultural, that was probably yeah. a super, super big cultural thing there. It's like, if you swore an oath to somebody, yeah. it was, I'm sure it was your life. Yeah. Well, was that idea. part of, there's someone about this is me, total lack of knowledge. Is that something that had to do with the law of Moses? Where if you swore an oath, like, if you broke it, you die or something? I have no idea. I'm curious I'm now. Let me grab. I am curious now, like exactly what it says. For that oath? Yeah. Let's see. This happens in, in uh no, that's still in four. Yeah, it's like the very end of four. All right. Um, Let's take a look, see. So thirty four. It's toward, down towards the end. Yeah, so verse 34, chapter 4, verse 34. And I spake unto him, saying, Surely the Lord hath commanded us to do this thing. And shall we not be diligent in keeping the commandments of the Lord? Therefore, if thou wilt go down into the wilderness to my father, thou shalt have place with us. And it came to pass that Zoram did take courage at the words which I spake. Now Zoram was the name of the servant. Yea, and he also made an oath unto us that he would tarry with us from that time. And now we were desirous that he should tarry with us for this cause that the Jews might not know concerning our flight into the wilderness. At least they should pursue us and destroy us. So thinking about how Laban actually was, I mean, Laban was a freaking jerk to Lehi's family. He yeah. he might have been a total jerk to, the, to, his, servants. to his servants too. And when Zoram was like, wait, I have a chance to 
go live a free life, yeah. not as a servant to someone. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Deuces, Jerusalem. So it's it's 37 where it says, Zoram made an oath unto us, our fears did cease concerning him. Which, yeah, I I don't think in this day and age I could have that same confidence in an oath that anyone swore. Um, which is unfortunate, but... But yeah, that just goes goes along with what we're trying to learn, what we're trying to understand in this in this podcast is like, hey, we need to do what we say. You know, when we talk to our wives and tell them, hey, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that, like we better make sure that we do it. Otherwise they lose faith, they lose confidence, um, and it becomes a problem. So that's definitely something that, that I'd I'd love to take from these chapters here.